Welcome. Class 47. Only 52 classes, so we are just about done. I don't remember if I had mentioned this before. We'll, we'll be breaking then for the summer. And then starting in September, um, we're going to do some different classes that are going to run at the same time through next year. And then we'll break next summer. And then the plan is that we will start catechism again, because this is something we want to do semi-regularly. It'll either be the same catechism or maybe a different catechism, but we would start that the fall of 2020, so next fall. So break for summer, and then this fall we'll start doing some classes. Uh, first is going to be a, a preaching class that will probably be um, focusing just the interest of a few in the church. Following that, I think by the second week of October, we're going to do a class on the Apostles' Creed, and then some subsequent classes after that that uh, would be for everyone. So that's what's coming up. This is our 47th class, so we're going to review question 46 together and then learn question 47. Let's pray and we'll get started. Our Father in Heaven, thank you for this last week that we've had between seeing each other last and seeing each other today. And thank you for giving us strength when we needed it and comfort when we needed it and help when we needed it. And thank you for all that you've done for us and continue to do for us as you walk with us in this life. And thank you now for this class and everyone here and the, the, the subject that we have to study from your word, uh, communion, something we do every week. And so it's easy for us to take it for granted. So help us inform us so that we don't do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's get right to it. Rather than reviewing the questions on baptism, which we've already done for a few weeks, let's get right into today's question. Question 46, what is the Lord's Supper? Let's say it together. Christ commanded all Christians to eat bread and to drink from the cup in thankful remembrance of Him and His death. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of the presence of God in our midst, bringing us into communion with God and with one another, feeding and nourishing our souls. It also anticipates the day when we will eat and drink with Christ in His Father's kingdom. Okay, has anybody memorized this question? Okay, whole thing. Christ commanded all Christians to eat bread and to drink from the cup in thankful remembrance of Him and His death. The Lord's Supper is a celebration of the presence of God in our midst, bringing us into communion with God and with one another, feeding and nourishing our souls. It also anticipates the day when we will eat and drink with Christ in His Father's kingdom. All right, that brings us to question 47. A follow-up question, clarifying question, very similar to the clarifying question with baptism. Does the Lord's Supper add anything to Christ's atoning work? In other words, is it Jesus dying on the cross plus the Lord's Supper? No. 
Christ died once for all. The Lord's Supper is a covenant meal celebrating Christ's atoning work, as it is also a means of strengthening our faith as we look to him and a foretaste of the future feast. But those who take part with unrepentant hearts eat and drink judgment on themselves. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. So does the Lord's Supper add anything to Christ's atoning work? And the answer is no, no. Christ died, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ died once for all. But there's more here about what the Lord's Supper is. The Lord's Supper is a covenant meal. It is a meal for those who are in covenant, in commitment with Jesus and with one another. Or family meal, we have said. It is a covenant meal celebrating, so it's celebratory, celebrating Christ's atoning work, the fact that he died once for all. As it is also a means of strengthening our faith as we look to him and a foretaste of the future feast. So we'll look at this in a minute. But you'll see there's a past, present, and future element to the Lord's Supper. There's past, there's looking back to what Jesus did. There's present, it is a means of grace. It is a means that strengthens our faith as we look to Jesus in the Lord's Supper. And in regards to the future, it is a foretaste of that great banquet that we will have, right? The wedding feast with Jesus in heaven. So it's looking back, it's in the present, and it's looking forward to the future. And then there's this warning, which is in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 11. But those who take part with unrepentant hearts eat and drink judgment on themselves. We'll be studying this extensively when we get to it in 1 Corinthians in chapter, um, chapter 11. So let me remind you of another definition. I read this last week. This is from Bobby Jamieson in his little book, Understanding the Lord's Supper. And he defines it this way. The Lord's Supper is a church's act of communing with Christ and each other and of commemorating Christ's death by partaking of bread and wine. Do this in remembrance of me. And it's not just a church's act, but it's an individual believer's act of receiving Christ's benefits and renewing his or her commitment to Christ and his people and marking it, that is Christ's people, the church, off from the world. So there were two commentators with this question. One was J.C. Ryle writing in the 1800s and then writing recently was Leo Schuster. Let me read you a couple things that J.C. Ryle wrote. He said, let us settle it firmly in our minds that the Lord's Supper was not given to be a means either of justification or of conversion. So like baptism, this is the clarification that this is making. 
The Lord's Supper does not add anything to the work of Christ. We are saved. We are justified by faith in Christ alone. Nothing else. Okay, So we're not saved or truly converted if and when we take the Lord's Supper. He also wrote the Lord's Supper was meant to increase and help the grace that a man has, but not to impart the grace that he has not. It's a strengthening thing. And then let me read you this paragraph that he wrote. In eating that bread and drinking that cup, such a man will have his repentance deepened. And think about this, what he writes. This is what we should be mindful of and thinking about when we take communion, which we're going to do, which we're going to do together in a couple hours. Such a man will have his repentance deepened, his faith increased, his knowledge enlarged, his habit of holy living strengthened. He will realize more of the real presence of Christ in his heart. Eating that bread by faith, he will feel closer communion with the body of Christ. Drinking that wine or juice by faith, he will feel closer communion with the blood of Christ. He will see more clearly what Christ is to him and what he is to Christ. He will understand more thoroughly what it is to be one with Christ and Christ one with him. He will feel the roots of his soul's spiritual life watered and the work of grace in his heart established, built up, and carried forward. All these things may seem and sound like foolishness to a natural man, but to a true Christian, these things are light and health and life and peace. So we hear the gospel through the preaching of the word, and then we taste the gospel through communion. This is something that is meant to, designed by God, like baptism, right? It's meant to reach other senses that we have, other than our ears. It's a way of getting truth of what it is that has happened and what it is that is happening into our minds and into our hearts. That's what this is. That's what we should think about when we take communion together, when we practice the Lord's Supper together. We're walking forward together. We're coming forward. We're coming to receive the juice and the bread that is representative of the body and the blood of Jesus. We're coming to, again, receive Jesus. We're coming to Jesus. You're invited to come to Jesus. And then we come, and do we come individually or do we come together? We come together as individuals, of course, but we come together. We come as a family. Sometimes it takes a while, right? Some of you get up right away to beat the line. Some of you wait until the line's almost done, and then you merge into traffic. Others, you just, you don't have any sense, and you just get there right in the middle, and you stand there for a long time, right? Now, I would argue that that's probably a really good place to be, taking your time as you come forward to think about What's happening? Here you are surrounded by these other people. Who are these other people? They're your church family. They're people that you've been united to as you've been united to Christ. They are his body. You're all going to share from one loaf of bread together. And so we come forward and then we take. And you're told that this is the body and the blood of Christ broken and shed for you. Not literally, of course. 
But it's a symbol. It's a symbol to remind you of the body and blood of Jesus. And then we wait. We wait till everyone is served and then together again as a family. Because it's not just you and you and me and you and you. It is all of us that have been purchased by the blood of Christ. And then we take the bread and we take the juice together. And you taste it, right? Albeit since switching to gluten-free, it tastes a little weird. It tastes a little funny to me. But we taste something, right? And when we taste that, when we smell that, when we feel that bread in our hands, right, we should be reminded of the gospel. It's appealing to more of our senses. And then we digest it, right? And then we do the same thing with the juice. And all of that, again, is to cause us to remember what Jesus has done. It's to cause us to to realize that Christ is here now in our presence, ministering to us and nourishing our souls. And it's causing us to remember that we will keep doing this every week, and we will keep doing this every week until we do it one day, finally in heaven, at this wedding feast, where we will somehow sit around a banqueting table together in the presence somehow of our enemies, and we will be fed and nourished quite literally by Jesus himself. So it's looking forward. So the second commentator, Leo Schuster, let me just read you the scriptures that he points out that that get to this past, present, and future. There are three dimensions, he says, to what the Lord's Supper does. Past, present, and future. So... When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, he told his disciples, do this, keep doing this, he was saying, in remembrance of me, Luke twenty-two nineteen. So to remember something, that's clearly pointing where? Future, present, past. Clearly, he wanted us to do this regularly to point back to remember what Jesus did on the cross. So as Christians, he writes, we eat and drink to remember Jesus' triumph. That's the past dimension. Paul points to the present dimension of the Lord's Supper when he writes in 1 Corinthians. This is in chapter 10, verse 16. This is the present now. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation right now? Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break right now. Is it not a participation in the body of Christ? That word participation could also be translated fellowship. But what's another word? Communion. It's where we get the term communion. Think of what that means. The Lord's Supper is not only a symbolic reminder of what Jesus has done for us, It's also a present communion with one another and with Jesus. Past, present significance, and now. When Jesus gave his disciples the cup, he said in Matthew 26, I will, do you remember these words of Jesus? He looked at them and said, I will not, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day. When I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. With these words, he directed them to the future dimension of the Lord's Supper. As a sign pointing forward to the great day of anticipation. It is a foretaste of the marriage supper of the Lamb in the everlasting feast 
That sounds good. Everlasting feast. Believers will enjoy with Christ in glory. Now we're broken creatures due to sin. Through Christ's broken body, we're made whole again. Yet in this life, we continue to experience the brokenness of our fallen condition. The future dimension of the Lord's Supper points us forward in hope to a day when we will be made completely whole and when we will enjoy with our Savior and with one another dining at its very best. Okay, let's say it one more time together. Did I mess up? something wrong on this oh it's on my outline I have three different things here the outline is wrong okay we're on the same page question 47 does the Lord's Supper add anything to Christ's atoning work no Christ died once for all the Lord's Supper is a covenant meal celebrating Christ's atoning work as it is also a means of strengthening our faith as we look to him and a foretaste of the future feast. But those who take part with unrepentant hearts eat and drink judgment on themselves. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for this word. Thank you for this reminder of what communion is and what it is not. It does not add anything to our salvation does not add anything to our faith. It does not add anything to your work. We are saved by our faith in your work alone. But God, you have given us this weekly here, this weekly experience to have with one another and with you, by which we remember what you've done, by which we taste, see, and feel what you are doing, and by which we look forward and think about and look forward to the day when we will enjoy an everlasting feast with you, dining at its best in the new heavens and the new earth. So thank you for this. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.